The following is a Kingfisher Media production. Hey guys, you're listening to the In the Blood podcast. I am your host, AC Bergen Fisher, and thank you so much for listening, whether you are a new or returning listener. I'd like to invite you to find a quiet place where you consider what's being shared with an open mind and a receptive heart. Before we begin, though, the following disclaimer. I am not a therapist, and nothing presented here should be considered as therapy. If you feel that therapy would be beneficial, please seek out a licensed therapist who you trust. Hey guys, I just wanted to start off today with a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, this is something that's been sort of sitting on my mind for a while, and that is I don't think I'm quite ready to commit to doing like an all video show at this time. So at least for now, I'm going to be switching back to an audio only format just so that I can keep on producing content on a somewhat regular basis without wearing myself out without this turning into a stress project because at the end of the day if this doesn't feel good then i've got no real reason to keep on doing it and i really want to keep on doing it because the feedback so far has been that a lot of people are getting good stuff out of it and i i want to be one of those people that's getting good stuff so I'm not saying that video will never be part of the project moving forward. I'm just saying at this time, I'm just not set up psychologically or technologically, honestly, to to deal with that in any sort of like proper way. So that's where we're at. So I'm going to make sure that the episodes are still available on YouTube, but um they're not going to be like actual like video video it'll probably just be the audio overlaid with you know maybe a couple of images or a logo or something like that so anyways i think i've gone on just about long enough about that um the other change that i'm making here is that it's not going to be just interviews anymore. I think it's we're still going to have interviews occasionally. We're also going to have probably situations where there's a guest co-host or co-hosts. There's going to be episodes where it's just going to be me having a chat with you about, you know, whatever it is that's on my mind. I also want to kind of, you know, shift focus away just strictly from the relationships that we struggle with in as far as dealing with others and also incorporate the relationship that each of us has with our own selves. Because I I think that if we figure out how to engage in a healthy relationship with self, that necessarily is going to affect the relationships that we have with others. So it, it, it's not really a component that I can safely ignore. I mean, I've been doing other projects one of which being the the Turn Up the AC podcast, which primarily focuses on the relationship with self. And I kind of feel like in the blood, Turn Up the AC have gotten to the point where it, it's time almost like for a marriage of sorts. Just combine the two. And I think that um, the in the blood banner is where my efforts are going to be primarily focused moving forward. And uh, one last announcement is that... Um, Jason will no longer be um, 
joining me as co-host of this project um it, it kind of ties into the difficulties that all relationships face at times it just gotten to the point where i i don't think that he and i are capable of of working together in a way that is going to benefit anybody including him and me and so a parting of ways at this time is I, I think just unavoidably necessary and that's all i'd really like to say about that for right now so anyways i've gone on for just about five minutes now with announcements and rambling and i think now it's time to get into you know what i actually wanted to talk about today and this is one of those things that it's a subject that lands sort of like near and dear to my heart. And I think it probably has to do with because I had a lot of experience with strained family relationships, strained platonic relationships with, you know, friends who have become family, that sort of thing. You know, when I, when I talk about family, I, I don't like limiting that just to people that I, I share DNA with. And I think probably most of you can identify with that. And um, I think one of the first things that, that, that comes into question when we have issues or struggles getting along with family members, you know, the kind of like struggles where it's like, you know what, I don't know if I can deal with this person or these people anymore. If, um, if, if we're not the ones that are bringing our loyalty to these, to this group into question, and quite often it's a member of that group or even a spectator that, that's standing off to the side saying, you know, well, you know, you, you owe them your loyalty. They're your family. And I think a lot of times we, we, we kind of sacrifice our ability to self care when we get hung up in this loyalty component because Whereas like, I, I do believe to a degree we, I, I don't like to say we owe our family loyalty, but I mean, we, we should try to be loyal to our, our inner circle up to a point. And I think the, 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 the point where we have to kind of deprioritize the loyalty and start prioritizing self-care is when the cost of that loyalty starts interfering with our ability to live a quality and happy, healthy ex existence. And what that looks like to each individual, of course, is very different for me as an individual. Like when, when my struggles with my anxiety, my panic disorder, my depression, um, even like PTSD type stuff, starts dominating the landscape of a relationship, then that relationship has become toxic to me. And I don't want to say that like, that means that these other people are bad people. It just means that like in that time frame, I'm not wired in such a way where I can comfortably navigate them. Them being just them might just be the kind of thing that is poison to me, you know, much in the, in the same way where it's like, I would never say that like drinking milk is, is bad, but for me being lactose intolerant, it, it kind of is. And I, and I look at a lot of relationships the same way. A lot of people I look at the same way, you know, you might be perfectly healthy, wonderful people to some, but to me, you've become poison. And when you become poisonous to me, I, I kind of have to like, take a step back some people have asked me you know like well why why can't you just 
tune certain things out? Why can't you just accept that people are approaching you on their level? And it's like, you know, I, I think these are valid questions. This is valid input. But um, it, it's not always the easiest thing for me to help people understand, like, where my mental state is at. Like, I think the best way I can describe it off the top of my head is, you know, if you could picture like a house of cards, you know, where everything is just delicately balanced. And each of these little pieces has been so carefully placed in such a way that like it, it you know, it, it, it stands up. It's, it is a structure, you know, my mental health is a structure, but it's, it's kind of a fragile structure at, at times, you know, there's times where somebody just coming into my space opening up the door that just like that little draft from the door opening will knock that whole house of cards down. Just like, you know, somebody who's just making a friendly inquiry, like a quick text message saying, Hey, how are you doing today? That may overwhelm me in that moment. There's other days where that very, very same text message might be like the one lifeline I absolutely need. So this is why I say, like when I say that somebody else is toxic to me, this isn't a reflection on them necessarily. It, more often than not is a direct reflection on not me as a person, but me as a state of mind, me as a situation. And I think when it gets to the point where like I'm at actual risk of being knocked down by somebody's kindness, being knocked down by their love, their affection, their attention, their friendship, whatever the case may be, I can't get so hung up in, well, how are they going to react to this? You know, worrying about quote unquote, hurting their feelings that I end up sacrificing myself in, in the process Because what's super, super important is that I maintain me because there are people that, that depend on me, like within my own household, I've got a kid who depends on me and if I allow external influences to knock me down, then I got nothing left for my kid. That to me is a problem. If I got nothing left for my wife, that is a problem. Everybody else, they, they have to be secondary to the people that are closest to me. And even that being said, the people closest to me have to be secondary to me in the sense that I need to be, I, I'm, I'm the only one who's got the power or the responsibility to maintain my mental health and my mental state. You know, it's like when you're riding on an airplane and the, the, the flight attendants give that announcement at the beginning of the flight saying, you know, something horrible were to happen. Um, the cabin depressurizes, whatever the case may be, then oxygen masks will drop down from the compartments above. Now, the the thing with the instructions about the oxygen mask is like you'll never hear a flight attendant say make sure you stick the mask on everybody around you and then like make sure you can breathe last it's, it's the exact opposite they say put the mask on yourself first before helping anybody including your own kids including your your elder disabled parents whatever the case may be because if you can't breathe you're of no use to anybody you know so there does come a time where with withdrawing even from healthy relationships is is kind of necessary and you know and there's just as many occasions maybe even more occasions depending on what your family dynamics are all about where these relationships even at best they're they're not easy they're not healthy but you feel kind of like 
you know, you're, you're tied to them because you share blood, you know, and that comes right back to like where we started, which is like, well, do we owe our family any loyalty? And I would say, you know, as I've explained, I think for the past few minutes, reasonably well, no, not necessarily. We don't necessarily owe anybody loyalty. You know, you, you have these well-wishing people thinking that they're going to come to you as something that you hadn't considered, you know, this like bombshell observation that I think so many of us have dealt with at some point or another, which is somebody coming to you and saying, yeah, well, you know, they're still your family. It's still your mom. It's still your dad. It's still your brother, still your sister. It's like, you know, I, I think we've done a good job of considering this. Usually if you've taken the time to say, okay, this is somebody who's like, so close to me that we share blood like we're basically like we, we we came out of the same mother a lot of the time you don't get much closer than that as far as like a a, a pure physical connection you've got the the shared history you've got the similar psychological emotional makeup sometimes like these are all things that kind of like they, they tie us together in very very like profound ways so for us to put distance between ourselves and and people like that this is not the sort of thing that just happens on a whim typically typically this is the kind of thing where we've sat there mulling it over thinking like man this sucks because you know like again drawing from a personal example like my younger sister i don't think i've ever been closer to another human being in my whole life i don't know that i've ever loved anybody as much as i love my younger sister we haven't spoken in like 10 years and you know, where, the, where there's, there have been a couple attempts to kind of like reconnect that just these attempts have failed. And I, I really do believe that as much as it hurts, the distance between us is necessary either for her, for I, maybe some combination of the two, it's been 10 years. I don't know where she's at. <laughs> Let's be honest. So when somebody comes to me and says, well, you know, she's still your sister. I'm, I'm very, very well aware and nothing is ever going to stop her from being my sister. Nothing is ever going to stop me from loving her. Nothing's going to stop me from wishing that things were different, that we could still be, or that we could still enjoy the closeness that we did for the majority of our lives. But for right now, that's not really on the table. What I, I have found is that a lot of these feelings and experiences that like I, I used to share with my younger sister, I found that like now I share with with other people, with friends who become extremely close, friends that are so close that I don't even know if it's fair to refer to them as, as friends anymore because they become, I, I guess some people would say almost like family. I would say they, they do become family. I guess it all depends how you define it. Like I, I used to in my younger years when I still had the, the luxury of enjoying a close knit biological nuclear family, I thought, well, th this is what family is. Family has to be, you know, mom, dad, siblings, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know, that sort of thing. And that these people are, they, they deserve these labels because of virtue of, of birth, because of that DNA connection, that shared flesh, shared blood, whatever the case may be. But what I've since learned is that 
other other people can fill those roles quite effectively. You know, if you look at a case of like an somebody who adopts a child, when the biological parents are unwilling or incapable of raising that baby, somebody else steps in and says, "You know what? I've got empty arms. I've got a lot of love to give." If they spend the time raising that child, to that child, they are the parents. To the parents, you know, that is their baby. There's no shared DNA, but the the shared experience is strong and meaningful enough. There's been like enough love exchanged, enough. Um, it's it's almost like you build up a good credit rating with each other. You know that that circle of trust has been established. I mean, there's just like in every imaginable sense, save for the the genetics these people enjoy a strong and healthy family bond. I think to question that because of a lack of shared DNA would be just completely unreasonable. So, I mean, on on like what I would label as kind of the more extreme end of things, that's kind of like what I would think. Like I I would be a horrible person if I was going to say, no, they're not family. That's not your real parents. That's your adopted parents. Like that, that's nonsense. Of course, they're the real parents. The real parents are the ones that are there. The biological parents, well, you know, in, in a different way, they're also the real parents. You can have more than one real something in your life. I mean, we do it all the time. It, it gets me thinking, well, what is family? And I would say that more often than not, like the farther I get into adulthood, real family, family in general, I mean, these are the people that 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 show up. They're the people that, even after a period of, of non-contact, not because of like an issue necessarily, sometimes just a case of life slips through our fingers and, you know, you realize, oh my gosh, it's been like six months since I've talked to so-and-so and you can pick up the phone to talk to so-and-so, spend a couple hours on the phone, like no time has passed and there's no hard feelings. Other family are the people that like you never let slip through your fingers like that. They're just always there, like in your face, but in a good way. I mean, Whatever is important to you, like mutually speaking, between you and your either biological or adopted or, you know, invited family member, that's how you're going to define your family. I mean, it's something for for each of us, I guess, to define specifically for ourselves. But I guess what I'm trying to say is just because you lose out on a biological family member doesn't mean that you, you can't go somewhere with those needs, those feelings, that loyalty even, and sort of like transfer it either permanently or temporarily, or even like in a shared sense to another, another family member, you know, which kind of leads me to the next question that like, I, I get once in a while, you know, like, well, can, can one family replace another? And, Sometimes out of necessity, it just has to. It, not every family issue is related to um, conflict. Sometimes you lose somebody to death, to circumstance, to a lot of different things. I mean, sometimes you lose some somebody, you don't even know what the reasons are. All you know is that they just aren't there one day. Of, of course, like one person can't truly replace another, 
but one person can like um i guess one one person can definitely fill in for another you know i don't i don't think that's a bad thing and i don't think that it devalues the relationship that was lost you know where somebody was going to say well you know i was gone for a time and then when i come back i found out that you know you replaced me with another person well it's not necessarily the case you know like my I, I I don't have access to my my sister right now. I've got at least one person who I would say I enjoy a similar kind of relationship with. Now, if my biological sister would come back, we would be dealing with an as well as situation, not an instead of situation. It'd be like, look, sister, like I love you. I always have. I'm glad we were reconnect reconnected. But to my I, I, I don't want to say adopted sister because not adopted in the real sense, but my, my, my friend who's become like a sister, I'm not going to go and just like beg her because, you know, the real deal is back in town. I'd like, I, I wouldn't sacrifice bonds like that. And I wouldn't expect anybody else would either, you know, sometimes we just, we need these other people and sometimes the original people never come back and, and you know, in situations like that, th this is where I think like you, you you can't truly replace one person with another because I think if you could truly replace them, you wouldn't have this like nagging grief, the the frustration, just these like feelings in general that pop up all the time related to that you know original person. You know, I've um, I've found somebody that I can enjoy a brother sister relationship with, but like I still think about my my younger sister like on the daily. And what do I do with these feelings that keep popping up? What do I do with that? They don't go away. I've got nowhere deep down inside that I can push them. They're just, you know, they 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 come up when I don't want them to, when I don't need them to just as a constant reminder. And, you know, like what I've learned to do is that I, I realize that if I, if I can't push them deep down inside, I can't turn them off. I can't like look the other direction and pretend they're not there. They've just, they've, they've proven to be quite tenacious, you know, like they, they will be observed. They will be experienced no matter how much I don't want these things. So what I am trying to do, what I'm learning to do with these feelings is instead of trying to ignore them, I try to use their, their momentum as a force for good, as a force for meaningful change. You know, like if I have a feeling, well, I miss my sister today. It's so sad how things ended. It's so sad where, where things left off. I use that as a reminder to, be constantly vigilant with my ongoing current relationships for the, the types of things that I believe led to a parting of ways between my, my sister and I, I've, I use these feelings as a reminder that, you know, I don't leave anything unsaid because a parting of ways could actually happen more or less than any given moment. We never know what's going to happen with, with circumstances, with another person's mental state. We don't know if we're doing something that's bothering them that they haven't communicated where they're just going to snap today and just decide, you know what, I can't talk to you anymore. There's a lot of things we don't know. We can't know, but what we, what we can do, what we can focus on anyways, 
is to make sure that we don't leave things unsaid. You know, like if I'm thinking, hey, like I I really love my mom. I appreciate her. Instead of just sitting there thinking, wow, I'm so lucky to have a mom. I pick up the phone and say, mom, I love you. It's as simple as that. You can you can tell people I appreciate you. You can point out the things that you admire about them. Like one of the, one of the things, just as a recent example, that I, I I took an opportunity to do that with my with my 16 year old son was he had uh, gone out of town for a little while back to a place where I used to live, and he decided to to meet up with a family member who I no longer have contact with and enjoy dinner with them. And I think he was a little bit shy about letting me know that this meeting had happened. But when he did, I just like I, I thanked him. I said, you know, thank thank you so much for for sharing this with me. Thank you so much for being the, the person that you are. Because I really, really admire the fact that you don't let my conflict with so-and-so turn into your conflict with so-and-so, you know, like you're willing to see your relationship with this person as a separate entity, which is like incredibly special and wonderful, you know, which it, it turns out this was something that he needed to hear. I mean, I didn't know he needed to hear it. All I knew is like, I, I felt like I needed to say it. So I guess if there's a lesson to be learned in all this, it's that if you feel like you need to say it, don't hold back because you're not sure if the other person needs to hear it. It's like there, you're never going to lose anything by communicating from the heart. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that like you're never going to have a conflict because of it or people are never going to walk away. But I mean, if somebody gets upset with you or they walk away from you for sharing your, your honest and sincere feelings, Assuming, of course, you're not like weaponizing these <laughs> these feelings. But if somebody walks away and, you know, all you've done is communicate something that's important to you, I would argue that y you haven't really lost anything meaningful anyways. You didn't really have it to begin with. So, I mean, if you gained anything, it, you, you gained the knowledge of what you're dealing with. And I would still argue that that's a good thing, even if it hurts. So, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, feelings, conflict, parting of ways, things like that. You know, another thing that, that comes up is at a certain point you think, okay, there's been like a long period of silence, but I believe the ball's in their court. Maybe they're sitting there thinking the ball's in my court. I don't know. Maybe we should just stop worrying about balls and courts and just think, okay, like, What's important to me in the moment? And, and this is actually a really, really important question. Because if what's important to me in the moment is continuing to feel okay, continuing to enjoy my newly defined normal, continuing to enjoy whatever amount of happiness is possible without this person in my life, well, then it's probably not the best time to reach out. Because if you reach out and you're afraid of interfering with the status quo, I don't think you're going to reach out and fully commit to the process of reconciliation, reconnection, because there's always going to be that part of you that's holding back, that part of you that's cradling a wound. And if you're cradling a wound and somebody gets too close to it, you're going to lash out. And then, you know, maybe you cause further damage. So if, 
if you're going to reach out, reach out because you feel like you need to reach out because you feel like you're ready. Reach out once you've done the work to make sure that you are okay with reaching out. Make sure that whatever part of you reacted negatively or overreacted to this other person that you've put, you've put things in place to prevent that from happening that you've taken a look at self, that you've learned how to react more appropriately, that you've learned to maybe temper your reaction somewhat. Whereas even if you're going to react honestly out of hurt, it's not going to be like explosive honesty. It's going to be calmly and rationally presented honesty that's sensitive to the feelings of the other person. I mean, this sort of stuff goes a long way. And, you know, whatever you do, like if you start getting hung up in those, well, what if, what if questions? Um, I, I would say you got to follow these what if questions all the way through. Well, what if I phone them and they don't answer? A lot of us would just stop there. But there's an answer to that question. There, there's lots of answers to that questions. Well, what if I call them and they don't answer? Well, then, you know, nothing's changed because they're still not talking to you. What if I call them and they don't answer? Well, you know, what if you call them and they do answer? Had you considered that or are you just so hung up in predicting the negative as a, a, an excuse not to reach out that you, you miss out on a potential opportunity? You know, like what if they blow up at me? What if they yell at me on the phone? What if, what if, what if? I think it's good to examine every imaginable outcome to these what if questions so that you can mentally prepare. Nobody's going to catch you off guard if you've already considered it. And if you're not caught off guard, then you're far less likely to react in a, a way that's unpredictable to you and or uh, toxic to the situation. You can react in a well thought out manner, having considered it already. You know, if somebody starts yelling at you instead of just thinking, oh, no, they're yelling now, like, it's my turn to yell, too. Maybe just listen, because it's one thing that my mom told me is like, you know, the, the, the truth is kind of a weird thing. The truth is a difficult thing to speak, but it's a really, really easy thing to scream in anger. The problem with the, the, the truth that screamed in anger is it, in, it involves a lot of like jagged edges that don't need to be there. So if you can figure out how to keep yourself calm, well, I, I, I would say, sorry, maybe just to back things up. I think a good way to keep yourself calm is just to, to stick on those what if questions and following them through. Even if after all of that stuff, you reach out and you realize that reconnection, reconciliation, that's not really part of the equation anymore you're going to be faced with another really, really important question. You know, will I ever be okay without them? Well, the risk of sounding wishy-washy, I think that really depends on you. You know, what are you, what are you going to do moving forward? Are you going to sit there feeling sorry for yourself? I mean, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or that it's wrong. There should definitely be a period of, to some degree, at least feeling sorry for yourself. Cause I mean, indulging in our emotions, that's just, it's part of the human experience. You, you can't turn them off, but you, you can't like wallow in that. I don't think forever there, there has to come a certain point where 
you you've taken your your season to grieve the loss of a person the loss of the relationship you've taken your season to nurse your wounds bandage yourself up whatever the case may be and then you have to move on from that place where your normal involves this person or your normal involves a hole that can only be filled by this person and you move on with a newly defined normal that whether or not you like it isn't built around this person being there it doesn't include a space for them it's not to say that you know your your normal couldn't be adjusted at some point if they surprise you by coming back but you have to deal with what you know right so the the next step this is something that can be really overwhelming to us because I, I think when we're looking at the next step, there's this tendency to want to look like as far into the future as we can possibly see. And we start freaking out about things that are 10 steps away when really what we need to be dealing with is, okay, what is the very next step? And let's see where that goes before we worry about the 10 steps afterwards. Because if you engage in the next step, it might adjust your trajectory just ever so slightly where those next 10 steps that you had imagined that you freaked out about they're no longer on the path ahead of you something different has emerged you know so when when people say you know well i'm sure you've all heard it said you know live life day by day moment by moment breath by breath if you have to that's not meaning just like close yourself out to the fact that like time is is progressing i think what they really mean is like just deal with what's immediately in front of your face deal with what you know you are working with don't deal with what you imagine you might be working with in, in a way that's gonna like undermine your ability to focus on what's right in front of you of course the possible outcomes always have to be considered but you don't know you don't have a good idea of what the possible outcomes are until you've done the thing that's right in front of your nose. And sometimes that thing is, you know what, today, I think I just need to take things back to basics. I just need to focus on brushing my teeth. I need to focus on taking a shower. I need to focus on eating my breakfast. It's just simple, simple things. When we set goals, they don't always have to be big life-changing goals. Sometimes the goal just has to be, you know what? By the end of the day, I am going to do something that makes me happy. By the end of the day, I'm going to pick up the phone and chat with a friend, any friend. By the end of the day, you know, what, whatever is important to you. I'm going to learn a new recipe. I'm going to try a new TV show. I'm going to try a different flavored gum just something shake it up for yourself and i think when you get in the habit of doing that then this overwhelming question of what now it becomes far less overwhelming because you know what now doesn't have to be like this big stressful thing what now is the, it could just be like something to look forward to you know like i'm coming to the end of my time with you here today and my what now isn't like a sad thing I've, I've got like a lot of stressful things going on psychologically physically i got stressful things going on with family relationships 
But what I'm going to do when I get off the the recording here, my what now is going to be I'm going to go drink a glass of water and I'm going to go fill up the bird, bird feeder in my backyard and watch the chickadees for a couple of minutes before I move on to the next step. Anyways, I, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this little bit of a, a break from normal. I, I obviously have been stuttering and stammering a little bit more than I typically do because I've been working completely without a script here. And I think it, it, it feels good for me to do it this way. I hope it feels just as good for you to listen to me doing it this way. Um, until next time, it, it's been an absolute pleasure being able to share from the heart with you guys. I, I look forward to doing this more. Um, if any of you have a story that you'd like to share as far as like a complicated relationship, what you've done to like move on from it, to navigate it, whatever the case may be, whether it's been a case of accepting that the relationship is no more or whether it's a case of sharing a success story of reconciliation. I'd love to hear about any of these things and whether it just been whether it's through like a private message on Facebook or Instagram and email or even if you want to come and guest on the show and like and have a conversation about it, I'm open to all those things because I, I really do believe that like when all of us share our stories openly and honestly like this, it's such a powerful experience to other people that are going through the same thing, thinking that maybe they're the only one thinking that there's no way out of this dark place that they're in just to be reminded that, you know what, you're not the only one. And you know, maybe there's no way out of this dark place, but there is a way to like brighten it up a little bit. There might be a way to like get some fresh air, a little bit of illumination, a little bit of like better perspective. You realize that this dark place that's suffocating, you might have like some exciting areas to explore that you just can't see right now because it's just too dark. Anyways, much love to all of you, and I will talk to you again soon. 